Get It is back for episode six, and we keep on moving forward. And Issa and I were just talking regarding whether we were on episode five or six. It's going fast. We're already on episode six, and we've got a great topic for you today. Um, so as always, let's have Easton break that down for us. Yes, sir. Christian, good morning to you. Uh, this is our first podcast we are shooting in the morning. I feel good. I've got my morning coffee right here. Energized. Um, oh, yeah. It's going to be a good one. I'm feeling great. Let's Pumped get after up. it. So today, as Christian said, we do have a great topic in store. We're going to talk about the, uh, I guess you could call it recent in terms of modern history, pretty recent, recent, the idea of cancel culture. So cancel culture obviously has made many headlines in the news uh you know it's this sounds funny but it's affected a good amount of people by now and you know we were talking before the episode especially people that kind of stand in the public eye with whatever it is their their position is and yeah so we figured why not dive into this kind of look into some of the scenarios and how it's sort of built up and where it stands today so christian you want to lead us off yeah, and I guess a good way to lead off this episode would be to go back and look at some of the early origins of what you would call cancel culture. And this was before, I guess, cancel culture even had a label, way before. And the instance that sticks out to me is what happened with the Dixie Chicks back in 2003, I believe it was. So this was right before the U.S. was looking to invade Iraq and um and getting involved in the Iraq war and the Dixie Chicks had a concert in London and the lead singer came out and basically said during the concert, we're ashamed that the president of the United States is from Texas. And this was, this was very controversial at the time because this was post 9-11 world where it was basically America was at the peak of its patriotic influences. Everyone was yep. about being for the country being a patriot. And if you said anything anti-American at this time, you were getting canceled. And this effectively ended their career for the next 10, 12 years. Because first of all, no country radio would play them. Um, everyone was denouncing them in the country radio world. And in the country world, uh, a big demographic of those listeners are from the South and, and in areas that are much more patriotic and conservative in some ways than others and like i said this effectively put their career on hold and now they've kind of staged a comeback and i shouldn't even say kind of they're on their way back because people now look at this incident as something that paved the way for a phenomenon that is now known as cancel culture yeah so wait christian are you saying that that people that are oh. that are politically more on the right side also participate in cancel culture you are absolutely right that's exactly wow. what i'm saying you you, you wouldn't think wow. so you would not think so but that's exactly what i'm saying all right yeah so listen obviously cancel culture is something that gets normally um kind of linked with this whole idea of the social justice warriors the uh -huh. keyboard warriors like people who are considered to be and I don't mean to make this too political, but more liberal, left-leaning political individuals. Um, because, it I mean, 
and truthfully, like admittedly, that is a problem on that side. And, and I will be the first to stand up and address it. Like it's definitely an issue um, from people who are politically, they lean more left. But it's absolutely hypocritical to say that this doesn't occur on the right as well. You brought up, you know, one of the first instance instances in the Dixie Chicks where, you know, again, that was, you know, mostly conservative people who were very upset about them kind of denouncing the the war in the Middle East and effectively canceled them. You know, there was a movement to not play them on the radio, to not buy their albums, you know. Uh, not stream their songs later on down the road. So that is, in essence, cancel culture to the fullest extent. And that was done, again, by conservative-leaning people. And we can go down the road of of instances where this has happened on the right. It's been especially big with the NFL in the last few years. And, you know, the idea of protesting, um, you know, police brutality and and violence against colored people you know, obviously Colin Kaepernick's the name that comes to mind there. But, you know, I'm with my relatives, much of them a lot older on Facebook. They have they have posted things on there that say something to the extent of, you know, we don't give a damn about the NFL anymore. Mm -hmm. Don't watch the NFL games because this is going on like they're they're literally trying to cancel the NFL because they're allowing for this to go on. So. My point being is that this is something that occurs from all spectrums of the political aisle and, you know, your ideology as a person. It's not just something that happens from the quote unquote social justice warriors, though it, like I said before, absolutely is a problem on that front, too. So mm -hmm. there's my two cents. Yeah. And I think a good word used to describe cancel culture in general is just the fact that it's been weaponized. It has been weaponized politically, socially, as a way to basically denounce, in some ways, people you don't necessarily agree with or opinions that you just, yeah, you're not big fans of. And that's not even getting into the fact that, yeah, there are people out there who do horrible, horrible things and deserve right. to just not be a right. part of society. That's obvious. Um, and, and we don't even have to go in depth on the certain things that it entails for an individual to be truly canceled. Because I think most people would agree that if someone um, gets involved in things that are, you know, very bad, I'm thinking maybe well, I mean, all stuff, domestic stuff. Yeah, no, let's let's use a, a very recent example here. Um, Chris D'Elia. Yes, so perfect. although there's been like some skepticism as far as you know, him actually knowing the extent of that. And they do need to like, they do need to look into this a little more. But originally he was kind of canceled for, you know, allegedly participating in pedophilia, which yeah. to your point, yes, like in that instance, that's something that's absolutely frowned upon on the societal level. It happened in, you know, today's day and age. So him getting canceled, you know, that's, a, that's something that even though, I was truthfully a fan of his before. Like I really did like his comedy and, and his podcasts. Um, you know, you deserve to be canceled if, if that's the type of behavior you're going to take in. And yeah. so to your point, there's, you know, one instance where, yeah, you got canceled and you, you know, definitely deserved it. Yeah. And, and that in every way, I guess the point I was trying to make was warranted. No one's arguing that. Um, but it gets a little more, uh, I guess, up in the air when you try to 
I guess, cancel people, like I was saying, for certain opinions that may be controversial in some ways, but aren't necessarily, they maybe just not everyone agrees with that, but there is a certain base that does agree with it. So that's when things can get a little cloudy. Yeah, and I think the concept that you're kind of bringing up here is the idea of these echo chambers. Um, so for those of you that are not familiar with this term, echo chamber, it's basically the idea of in the online world, you know, you tend to follow and friend people that you, for the most part, agree with. And that's not always the case, but in a lot of cases, you know, you're going to be keeping up with what these people are saying because you agree with them. Because in a lot of instances, if you don't agree with them, you'll just unfriend them or unfollow them. Um, and so it becomes a problem, though, when an idea comes along from one of these people that maybe has some kind of malintentions to it and isn't exactly in the best interest of society. And it just gets echoed around in this group of people who all thinks that it's right. Well, then when this echo chamber becomes large enough, that becomes an actual problem because these people are representing, you know, um, a mass voice, I guess you could say, you know, they have big numbers in that group that are all sh sharing and reposting this idea. And I think that's where it becomes a problem, honestly. And Twitter, what I think of it is one just huge echo chamber. And if you had yes. to put a home field on cancel culture, I would say that Twitter is probably the whole home field for cancel culture because it seems like everyone on Twitter nowadays is looking to cancel someone for some reason, just wants to be the, the moral warrior where they are above everyone else. Their virtues are so much better than everyone else. They've never made a mistake in their life because when you look at Twitter and when you look at a lot of the people on Twitter who are causing such an outcry about some of these things, it's mostly people who just are looking to cause issues that may or may not actually be there. They're just looking to, yeah, cause problems for other people. And yeah, it's shit. like, I mean, they, yeah, go on, go on. We, we might get canceled after this. Who knows? <laughs> we might be talking about this cancel culture and end up canceled. Yeah, exactly. You, know? and, 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 you never yeah, know. Maybe we're not to that, uh, to that wide of a base yet, but, but seriously, <laughs> like it is something in a position where you're willingly putting um, your ideas and your opinions out there that people are concerned about now. And I'm going to come out and say that I don't think that that's really in the best interest of everyone. I think that, um, you know, the, the example I brought up earlier with kind of older relatives that, that really just throw up some nonsense on Facebook, like I'm not, I'm not going to unfriend those people or I'm not going to unfollow those people because I disagree with what they're saying. Like mm -hmm. at a personal level, I still, you know, genuinely enjoy those people and they're people I would, you know, either call friends or family. And so, you know, their ideas about certain things, just because they're different from mine, I don't think that's a reason to kind of distance yourself and, and put yourself in this, you know, like we talked about this echo chamber where you're only getting feedback that, that you want to hear. And that's just, that's how people work. That's how our country works. This, everything is built. People have different opinions. They're going to have different opinions. Everyone is different. And it, we can't fall into this trap of creating a one track mind for everyone, because that seems to be what Twitter 
what this cancel crowd wants. They want everyone to have the same opinion on things. They want everything to be thought as exactly the way they think of it. And it's I can understand it in some ways. They want to hold people accountable. Accountability is a big part of this cancel culture. They don't want people getting away with things that maybe 30 years ago they get away with. And that can be understood. But in the same vein, the world is a lot different than it was 30 years ago. Yeah. And you have to take that into consideration. Yeah, that and kind of just to go back to your point, I think that, so you talked about the morals. And I think the problem with that is whether you agree with this statement or not, it's absolutely true. Morals can be very objective and people are going to have different morals. And I, I especially hate this conversation from um, more left-leaning, you know, liberal people, this whole idea of, you know, these are the morals you have to agree with and the ideas you have to agree with. Otherwise, you are basically just a terrible person. Yeah, because that argument is made on on, you know, the right as well, I guess you can call it or more conservative individuals where, you know, they have their set of morals and. You know, they really don't like when you go against those morals, but I think that they do a better job of allowing it to happen where so on the left, you've got this thing where it's like. You know, if they don't agree with you on X, Y, and Z, they're a horrible person and you can't even fathom how they would think that way. Like, there has to be some understanding that people just naturally do not think the same and they're not going to agree on everything. And it might go to, to big extents, like, especially you talk about the polarization that's going on right now. Like, a lot of people have completely different views on almost every issue. Um and while that's a bit of a roadblock, if you start talking about those issues, that doesn't make them, you know, a morally inferior or superior person. Absolutely correct. And I think it's also interesting to kind of see the crowds that have been most impacted by cancel culture in general. And you said it a couple times, people who are known, people with a little bit more notoriety are impacted. And I'd say even the people who are most at risk for this idea of cancel culture are the people who are just starting to grow into something, um, just starting to become familiar with people. Because in that sense, this is where Twitter and cancel culture has kind of gotten off the rails. People will now go back into your social media and yeah. look for things specifically to cancel you. You don't even have to do anything to warrant it. Yeah. And I mean, that's pretty evident. I feel like in the last five, six years, when you look at like the NFL, MLB and NBA drafts, I feel like it has literally been every single year that whoever the number one pick is, someone finds a tweet from six or seven years ago and posts it and tries to basically make them look bad. And I guess a, a soft attempt to cancel them, you could say. And it's like, look, like, you're talking about a 19, 20 year old individual and you're pulling a tweet from when he was 12 to 13. Yeah. And, and looking at myself, like, you know, and, and this is, uh, I, I'm gonna, I don't I'm even want to know what you were tweeting at 13. <laughs> don't worry about it. All right. But no, seriously, like I have, I have an app called time hop. I've told you about this. It basically, a lot of people have it shows all of your old posts 
And the amount of things that I have deleted using that app, because I, it's just like something that shouldn't be said today that, because again, I was 13 years old. You have no clue what's going on in the world. You're kind of just taking a wild stab at everything and saying things that, you know, you think are funny or let's be honest. And to a 13 year old crowd, they are funny. Yeah. Yeah. And let's be honest at that age, you know, people love drama. It's it's just a fun thing for everyone to get involved with the school drama, the, you know, societal drama, whatever. And there's a good chance that whatever you're saying at that age is probably not that intelligent. So clearly, you know, if you're pulling tweets from these number one or top round draft picks from when they were 13, 14. Yeah, they're probably not intelligent, well thought out tweets because they were 13 freaking years old. Like, I don't know. Yeah, um, thinking back to then, I don't think I ever said anything intelligent at 13 years old. I still don't know if I've even said something you haven't. up you, to you this know. point in my life. Yeah, exactly. So you go back eight years, <laughs> nine years, it's like, what do you expect? So it's it's crazy to me to think, uh, and don't, don't get us wrong, we're not saying that these 13 or 14-year-old individuals, whoever they may be, aren't saying bad, horrible things. But right. you got to realize they're 13 years old. You have no concept of the world at that age. You have no concept of anything besides your little, your friend group, uh, your, your whatever it is, middle school, high school, impressing them, impressing people, doing the funny thing. You just no one, no one really has any regards for anything at that point in life. And you cannot be criticizing people who 10 years ago were thinking differently than they may think now because let's be honest everyone between the age of between the age of 12 to the end of college you make leaps and bounds transformations in the way you think and that's just how it is you you get educated um you're around more people you experience the world a little bit that's just that's how the world works it's how it's always worked yeah thank you and you touched on this, but you brought up high school. I would I would even argue that what I was saying before about, you know, the 13 and 14 year old, you know, boys or girls tweeting, posting things that probably aren't well thought out and that might not look good down the road. I would say that even extends into high school. You know, there's yeah, I would the, the majority of things I've actually went back and kind of revised and deleted because they, you know, they don't look good are from like my junior and senior year in high school. And it's because of the same idea. Like as a junior and senior in high school, you're kind of living on cloud nine. Like you're not in the real world yet. You don't really have any responsibilities other than, you know, your schoolwork or whatever. So you don't have a realistic view of what's going on out there. And it's going to lead to stupid tweets, stupid, you know, Facebook, Instagram posts, whatever. And Again, same thing as in middle school. In high school, people just eat drama up. They love it. So anything that can kind of antagonize someone or or really draw a response, like it was just way too tempting back then to like try and start those quote unquote Twitter wars or whatever you want to call them that now to this day, like we talk about, you know, you go through four years of college, you have these experiences, you learn how to, you know, live by yourself, how to interact with people. They're just not things that you would post anymore because, again, you grow up and you learn. And that's, I think, what's being missed by this whole cancel culture movement is the fact that 
people legitimately do change. And especially from when they're at that young age, like you can't take something from that long ago and keep putting it on their name when they aren't the same person at all to this day. And I, I seriously sometimes think that these people on Twitter or, or social media on the internet who are creating such a big fuss about these things aren't real people. Because how can you be so hypocritical as to think like, I've never done anything bad in my life. I've never made a mistake in my life. I've never thought something bad in my life. So I'm going to attack these people and make sure they pay for the mistakes they've made. People make mistakes. People grow from those mistakes. And I, to, to me, the fact that some people don't realize that is just it, it's a little shocking to me and it shows that they aren't necessarily a very a, a normal person in the respects of they're making mistakes and realizing or just very self-aware they're just not very self-aware people in general no no and i mean let's call a spade a spade here i here's here's the hot take of the day let's go it's let's absolutely go. because these people have not hit that stage where they've grown up we uh -huh. talked about growing up to where we don't do this anymore. Those people haven't grown up in the sense that they are still just craving this this drama and looking for attention. Yeah. I would go as far as to say probably over 85% of, I guess, cancel attempts in this cancel culture are for that person or group to bring attention to themselves. Uh -huh. So like you see a lot of these tweets and stuff and it's like the whole point and the whole purpose of them is to get favorites and retweets and reposts yeah. or whatever. It, it, it's no, yeah. there's no intention on, you know, they're not thinking about that other person. Like, oh, he posted this ten years ago. Like, he's probably changed. He's he's probably grown up. He hasn't said anything like that in in recent years. Yeah. But they see that and they see this is an opportunity to, to get attention for myself, basically. Yeah. And I'd also like to point out, I think in 90% of the instances, maybe even 95, um, and don't, don't, um, don't quote me on this, but in 95% of the instances I've seen an account trying to cancel someone, I think they have like 50 to 60,000 tweets. And I just think to myself, how can someone just sit on Twitter every day for four or five years and accumulate this many tweets. How do you even do that? It's That's just a person problem. who is literally looking, literally looking to cause cause drama, just cause something, make something that trends. It's it's absurd. It, it is absurd. That's the problem. And that's why it's called the, you know, being a keyboard warrior, because like, yeah. truthfully, these people are doing nothing better with their life then sitting on Twitter and just looking for that opportunity to to blow up and be a big name on Twitter for one tweet or what have you. Like, if that's your ultimate goal, you seriously need to reevaluate things. Be and and I say that in the nicest way because it's become so big now that it's almost normal for people to try and do this. But it's yeah. like, it's like honestly, if you're if your way to fame is by basically trying to purposely tear someone else's career down or tear them down as a person like you really got to rethink things because that's just not a natural you know thought out way to i guess getting the attention that you want like do do something do something great for yourself 
don't yeah. don't use someone else's you know mistakes from the past to basically prop you up as the hero or give you a bigger platform the pretentiousness of these people it's sickening and it's that's the biggest problem in my opinion with twitter in general right now it's just that everyone sees themselves as above everyone else and i know i've said that but i think in the simplest ways i think that's just really what it is people want to be morally held higher by themselves to other people and that has caused this whole woke culture this cancel culture i think um but you got any more to say on that because i think we should even kind of dive into some specific yeah. examples what one more quick note on it and okay. we've talked a lot about this we're not saying so there's a lot of cases out there where people are legitimately trying to bring right. attention to something or attention to an issue and if that's the case and it's a very you know um I don't know what the word is for it, but like a well-intentioned tweet or some sort of post that's legitimately just trying to bring awareness to a certain issue or to a certain person. It's not to say to not do that. Like mm -hmm. absolutely use the social media platform to, to kind of tackle those issues, whatever they may be. It's just in the sense of, you know, like we talked about these kind of silly instances that, you know, people have probably moved on from and that they don't even associate with anymore, bringing all of that back in mm -hmm. attempt to basically ruin their career or life in order to get you, you know, a day of fame. That's the type of behavior that's just toxic and there's really no place for it, even though there's been a place created for it in these echo chambers. So, yes, let's move on to some instances, though. 100% completely agree with that. Um, so some uh, this year, as as have the past few years, has been big for social media canceling. And there have been some more cases. It's This is actually a big year for late night hosts. So you got Kimmel, you got Fallon, you got Ellen, who have all faced a, a decent amount of backlash and not necessarily for no reason. They've faced um, real criticism for very valid reasons. Um, but it's interesting to see kind of how this unfolds. So in the case of Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel, the biggest reason that they have been widely discussed on social media in a canceling way this year, I guess, if that's the best way to describe it, is because I think it was like 20, 25 years ago in that range, they were both filmed doing blackface in some way or another. And and blackface is it's a very big discussion going on in I guess just on social media in the world right now not in the world as much but in our country um, and it can kind of span off into a bunch of different topics even um, to regarding what people wear for Halloween or culturally, culturally socially what is appropriate and what is acceptable now and I think that is the biggest question that has been brought up by these instances yeah well, and here's what I have to say to that is why in all of these instances, and this goes even beyond just the, you know, the blackface and the costumes, why when this was originally put out, were was there no noise about it? You know, if it was if it was societally frowned upon then, there would have been noise about it. People would have been freaking out like, why did he, you know, do blackface or dress up as a Native American or post this tweet? 
it's because, you know, times change, society changes, and it's to a point now where, yes, if you were to do that today, where it's kind of been established, like, okay, it's probably not cool for, you know, a white guy to to portray himself as a different race or ethnicity. Um, and same goes with all the other races, honestly. Like, it, you just shouldn't really portray yourself as being someone else, especially if it's in um, the scene of, like, we talked about Halloween, where you're dressing up as a costume, right? Like, you're pretending to be someone else. Um, so in that case, like, yes, I think people understand now. And if you were to, to go out in Halloween this year with blackface on, you know, you should rightfully face some criticism because we've right. kind of we've gotten to this point where it's like, that's not OK. However, when you look at like 20 to 25 years ago, nobody really cared about it. And I and I mean that, like, I hope I'm not being ignorant when I say this, but there was no noise made about it from like talk about like the the black community. Like they were not they weren't lashing out at Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon at that time. Um, because just societally it was, it's all part of the progression, right? Like everything's pro progressing. Um, and that's a good thing, but you have to keep in mind that at times things were not that way. And it's a lot harder for people to see that when, if something is societally acceptable, they're, they're not going to think twice about doing it. I'm sure there are certain things that, you know, we're doing today or that people are doing today that maybe 10, 15 years down the line we're going to kind of figure out, okay, maybe we probably shouldn't be doing that and that shouldn't have been done. And that's just the way it's always going to work. So I don't like this idea of like, you know, going back so far in people's past and digging these things up that at the time, everyone, everyone, Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, they're late night hosts that pretty much everyone, well, they're a little more political now, but for the most part, people enjoy like they're happy people. They're, you know, bringing on guests. They haven't really had much else criticized about them. So, like, you really think these people were were trying to be racist when they did this? Like, no, that, that wasn't their intentions. Exactly. And that really is the thing. This is an issue with such an easy solution. And that solution is communication. And that's pretty much how this issue has been resolved and how society has come to this consensus that, yeah, maybe this isn't the best idea. Maybe this is kind of insensitive. So you, like you were saying, Kimmel, Fallon, these aren't guys who were trying to be racist. That's obviously not what they were trying to do. And I promise you, they already have apologized. They probably cringe that looking back at this stuff. They do cringe. Like, you know that they hate that they did this. And even though it was 20, 25 years ago, and they completely regret it, but it's just, like you said, you cannot go back this far into the past and try to compare the past to how the world is that we live in now. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, again, it all goes back to this point of like, everything is progressing and we can't just latch on to something and think that's the way it always is. And it... This goes to, like I said before, it's more than just the whole like costume dressing up thing. This goes to all of those, you know, tweets that get brought back up and everything like people, people and society mature and they change. It's the same reason that I talked about before that I've went back and, you know, deleted a handful of tweets from my days in high school is because 
you know, yes, I, I'm not proud that I maybe said something or, or posted some picture or something like that. But I recognize that now because, again, you progress, you mature. And, you know, I took it off the platform. But for some people, they, you know, they don't think to do that. And it ends up coming back and haunting them. And they end up in this place where, you know, cancel culture gets them. And now their career is greatly diminished or maybe even completely ruined because of something that they probably don't even stand by to this day was just put out in a time where societally was not frowned upon. Well, and it's interesting to see, and I kind of brought this up a little bit earlier, but it's interesting to see how um, cancel culture can impact certain crowds. So when you have someone who's just kind of building into their career, building into whatever it is they're doing, and they're building some notoriety, it's probably easier to take I guess, take someone down like that, if that's the phrase you want to use, because they don't have that just widespread um, fame. I guess that's a word you could use, notoriety. Um, but when you look at like that tippy top of celebrity, when we're talking about a Fallon, a Kimmel, um, people can try to get them canceled. And if it's a definitive enough reason, then yeah, they can get canceled. Um, but for things that are a little bit more wishy-washy, um, it's it's probably not going to work. And a, a thing we talked about before the episode, uh, a perfect example of this is Joe Rogan. Yeah, so Joe Rogan and uh, another comedian, Joey Diaz, I believe this was over the summer, there was a movement to basically try and cancel them. Um, some video surfaced of, you know, Joe... and. We talked about this as well. Comedians in this age of cancel culture are probably one of the most greatly affected, you know, groups of people. Because, again, they're there to make you laugh. They're there to make jokes. And do jokes go over the line sometimes? Absolutely. And sometimes that makes them even funnier. But, (laughs) again, like, yes, from time to time, they're probably going to say something that shouldn't be said but it's in a joking manner like these people aren't serious about this stuff and i think i think as a whole people need to realize that like you can't take everything so seriously right yeah. like people need like to lighten especially up. Yeah. when especially when we're talking in terms of like comedy or or making jokes even coming from people who aren't comedians if they're just being lighthearted about something you know learn to have some feel with that but back to the joe rogan thing um there was a video that surfaced in which he was not even completely serious about where Joe Rogan said something along the lines of like wearing masks or is for bitches or something like that. And again, if you've seen Joe Rogan's comedy and his standup, that's the that's the type of comedy he goes for. It's like a very kind of aggressive sort of masculine type comedy. But Joe Rogan as a person is actually an admitted liberal left-leaning person and he truthfully cares about like all of the issues you would want to quantify someone as in in terms of like you know women's rights and equality for people of color you know supporting the lgbtq community joe rogan checks all of those boxes he's simply just saying something on a podcast because he's doing it with a buddy that's you know they're they're shooting jokes with each other mm-hmm. that surfaces and people try to cancel him people try to cancel joey diaz for some joke he made like five years ago and both of those two 
interestingly enough, took a very different approach than most people do. So most people either choose to kind of go silent about it or they come out and apologize for the issue. Joe Rogan and Joey Diaz come out and basically go head on with the cancel culture crowd. They're like, you know, you want to cancel us? Go for it. Give it a shot. Like, see, see what's going to happen. And honestly, like, did of the cases I've seen, those two were not affected at all. Like that was like a two day long try to cancel them. And then it was just completely shut down. You haven't heard a word about it since. Like <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's interesting how that works, but they were like, look, like, yeah, we said it, you know, they're jokes cause we're comedians and you know, the ideas that we share are just our opinions. So, you know, deal with it or move on and everyone shut up after that. Well, it may have actually helped Rogan in general because I swear he was trending on Twitter, like the number one trend for like three or four days in a row. And I seriously could not figure out why it was just people saying, oh, he's canceled. He's canceled. I hate Rogan for this reason, this reason. But I couldn't figure out why he was necessarily trending. Um, and, And it just goes to show you in some cases, just taking it head on and saying, look, guys, like. This, this is just who I am. This is just what I'm going to do is going to work a lot better in some situations because realistically, like you said, Rogan is a comedian and he really didn't say anything that outlandish at all. He was making a joke. And as a comedian, um, as a guy who runs the biggest podcast in the world, yeah, this is this just has to be something that's understood. And he's got such a huge crowd, the biggest crowd listening to him. And people understand that. These people who are complaining about him probably do not even listen to him. And when I say probably don't listen to him, I can guarantee you that most of them don't actually listen to him. They've only seen clips of him on the internet. <laughs> and that is that is absolutely one of the biggest problems with this cancel culture crowd uh-huh. is they, they take things so out of context. So like yes. you talked about, you know, we're talking about Joe Rogan, so we'll stick with that. A guy who, again, like I said before, checks all the boxes of being an individual who is for, you know, the progression of society, for people being more Just a open. High, high character guy. Yeah, yeah, being being more open-minded. And if you went through all of his podcasts, which by now I believe is over 2,000 podcasts, he's been doing it for like over 10 years you're going to find some moments where if you just handpick those moments and take them out of context, you could make this guy look horrible. But if you watch these whole episodes and if you, if you consistently stay up to date with him as a person, you understand that these aren't his feelings at all. He's, you know, a pretty lighthearted guy and he's going to make jokes. He's a comedian. Like that's what he does. And I think that's the same with anyone really. Like, just this stuff is being taken out of context where people are taking little 30, 45 second clips of something that was said and posting it on the internet, trying to get them canceled when it's like, okay, if you watch that whole episode, there might be a completely different message being conveyed than what was in that clip. Like they, they might literally be saying the opposite of what, what came out in that clip. But just because you can capture those little moments and make someone look bad is such a weapon, honestly. Look, man, you could easily, easily take this this episode out of context. You could easily exactly. find a portion of this episode and argue that we are defending everyone who's ever been canceled. That's absolutely not what we're doing, and we've said it many times throughout the episode. 
Um, there are people who deserve to be canceled in a lot of different instances. We're just talking about every other instance, and, and you could easily find a way to get us canceled. And you said it earlier. Maybe this is the episode that does us in. And you know what? If you're going to try and cancel us, I got a couple <laughs> words for you. Uh-oh. Then do it then. <laughs> try. Try to cancel us. See what happens. Because it's oh, not going to happen. We're sticking around. The episodes are firing every Wednesday. You're not going to see us go away. <laughs> yeah, you better learn to like it. Um, so I think a good final discussion for this episode would just kind of be touching on the role that cancel culture plays today um, and how it has evolved into what it is in the current climate we live in. Yeah, so I guess to, to what you're saying there, like cancel culture as we have clearly, clearly explained throughout this episode is something that's become extremely toxic, I think, and is mostly people taking other people out of context and using it to kind of ruin them as a person in order to prop up whoever is trying to do this canceling. Um, I think there is a place for it. And we talked about this a little, like, if you're genuinely try to, trying to bring attention to something, or you have information on, you know, a person who's who's doing things that's like the Crystalia example. Like mm -hmm. if you're someone who was sexually harassed by someone, like all the power to you, please. Like I have no problem with you exposing that person. And I think that that's one of the one of the ways we can use the platform of social media to in a beneficial way, I guess, and to, to bring awareness to issues that actually matter. The problem with that is, like we said before, this is five to 10% of the cases. The other 90% is just, you know, again, people trying to increase that follower amount or get the retweets up. And, and they do it at the cost of, you know, really damaging someone's, you know, personal reputation. And here's the thing, or at least something that I've observed. I think people are starting to come around to the fact that maybe this whole idea of cancel culture isn't the best thing. Because uh, it seems like in some ways social media is starting to, to turn on this. And I think that's a really good thing. Because while cancel culture is appropriate in some ways, and we've stressed that enough, at the end of the day, it's mostly about taking the mistakes that people have made in their lives and shaming them to all hell with it, and basically saying, you're not allowed to make a mistake, you're not allowed to grow, um, you're not allowed to change, you're just going to get ridiculed for this, this is who you are now, this is the mistake that's going to define you. And that's not okay, and people are starting to realize that. Exactly, and I, I do think you're right, actually, because I think more people are willing to kind of call this nonsense as it is, like... Mm -hmm. It, it it had its time and place where cancel culture was just, you know, a, on a, a murder row, like taking people <laughs> yeah. out and no one was saying right. anything about it. No, because you were but scared to speak up. Yeah, exactly. But now it's gotten to the point where like enough people are starting to speak up that it's don't get me wrong, still a huge problem. But there's at least that that counterpoint now that has some relevance where it's like, OK, like, seriously, why are you going out of your way to do this? What good is this bringing you? What good is this bringing, you know, society as a whole? And I guess as a final note from me, I would say, you know, to people out there to just kind of have 
more of an open mind, like we talked about. You need to understand that you're not going to agree with everyone. You're not going to agree with everyone's past. It's just never going to happen. People are way too unique for that to happen. I have plenty of friends who I disagree with almost 100% when you talk at like political or societal issues. And I'm still happy to call them friends. They're still great people. You know, one tweet in specific that's kind of stuck in my head right now that I've seen surface around is like, uh, how, how could you be friends with someone who's a Republican? Or could you date someone who's a Republican? Um, obviously coming from more liberal-minded people. And that is, I think, such a toxic idea of, you know, basically stating that you shouldn't be able to be genuine friends or have a good relationship with someone who you disagree with on issues of, you know, uh, your self-proclaimed morals or your ideas about how society should run. Like, people just have different ideas about that stuff. And it doesn't mean that they have again, bad intentions about society or, or, or these issues, but take it with a grain of salt and understand that they're, they're just different. That was, it was beautiful, man. It was heartwarming. That was, wasn't it? that was heartwarming. And it's funny because when you start saying you have friends that you really don't even agree upon at all, I mean, I sometimes question if you even like me at all as a, as a friend, because I mean, let's be honest, you've got a lot of issues with me. I've got a lot of issues with you. So it's like, how has this thing come to be where now we're doing a podcast together? It's it's crazy. People may just think, how is this happening? No, absolutely. It, and you're right. I, you know, I disagree with many of your, your stances with many of, uh, <laughs> your activities that you participate in in your daily life. And at the end of the day, you know, I bit down on the gums and I said, look, I think this guy's a good dude. He's, he brings some, some good stuff to the table. So, you know, chose again, chose the higher road. And I think that's what people need to do. They need to choose the higher road. If I can sit here and have an hour long conversation with just a horrible <laughs> terrible person like christian barzi then you can too easton is a walking living embodiment of just being an accepting and understanding individual so with that i think it's time for you to break it down for me what what's my rating for this week is it gonna stay high is it or are we going low I, I don't think i'm going low i think i'm staying relatively high you know christian i and it's it's funny because I I thought coming into this episode, you're really due for a low score. And I don't know what it is. I I, I haven't been able to put put the pin on it yet. Uh-huh. But you're doing pretty good. Um this week. Mm, this is tough. So I believe last week I threw the nine point four out, right? Nine point four. You yeah. had you had a one of your best takes yet on the last episode. Did you have that star moment this time? Eh, you had a couple good ones. You but never I didn't had a have, bad one. You exactly. didn't have a bad one. You didn't have a bad one. You had a lot of good ones. There wasn't, you didn't blow me away like you did last episode. So <laughs> God, I will keep you high. This time around, we're going 9 1. Oh, man. We, we are staying up there. And now it, this comes down to you because I know, I absolutely know that you are going to start racking your brain for any oh, yeah. possible idea. Yeah. 
that could bring me down. And no, I know that one of these upcoming episodes is going to be something that you know is going to take me down. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe maybe one of these upcoming episodes is going to have to be on, um, you know, uh, donut eating or something like <laughs> that. You know, like, uh, just overall caloric intake. I, maybe we'll have to go down that route. So, Because I just... I'm getting really antsy. I need to give you a low score and it hasn't been coming. So I need to find that topic that I just know you're going to, you're going to botch the snap on and it's coming. It is coming. So I, I things, don't worry. Yeah. I'll find it. Things may get contentious in these upcoming episodes. Cause yeah, it, it's getting to the point where Easton is going to actively look to bring me down low with my rating. He's going to fish a little bit. He's going to get me to try to say something. He's going to urge me on. We'll see who wins this battle. We Look, will I, uh, we'll see. The last few times I've given out these sto- these scores to you, I, I get a little sweaty, a little shaky and nervous because I, I, I don't feel right inside giving you such high praise. But you, you've earned it, so we'll leave it at that. But great episode, guys. All right, guys. And with that brings to the end another episode of You Wouldn't Get It. I say it at the end of every episode. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on all social media, SoundCloud, um, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it, Spotify. You can find us there and give us a listen. Guys, if you're just starting, this is the first episode you've listened to. We welcome you on board, and it's going to be a fun ride. So once again, thank you guys for listening. We will see you next time.